song never fails to speak to my heart. Thank you for that. Let me invite all of you here and those in the um, community room worship to take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Now, we have been following the I am sayings of Jesus, and in this chapter is one of his most striking images. I'm reading from verse 11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, the hired hand is not the sheep, and he doesn't own the sheep. So, uh, when he sees a wolf, he'll abandon the sheep and run away. And the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand. He doesn't care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not in this sheep pen, and I must bring them or gather them together also. They too listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, authority to take it up again, and this command I received from my father. I want to begin this morning by asking you uh, three questions, and we'll weave these questions through the next 20 or 30 minutes. What is it that holds your life together? That's the first question. The uh, second question is, what is it that you are depending on to protect you? And the third question is, where does your guidance come from? What are you looking for to guide your life? The first question is about unity and stability. What is it that holds your life together? For the past three years, I have been working part-time for our Virginia Baptist Mission Board, basically servicing churches and listening to pastors and it's uh, been an interesting, insightful uh, experience. I can tell you that most of our churches are struggling. They're getting older. Um, budgets are tight. Attendance is down in many cases. 
and these the people who love their churches are looking at the landscape and saying, what are we going to do? Uh, and often I'm there uh, to help, but often uh, they're, they're divided about what to do, how to get new members, how to appeal to younger uh, couples or to teenagers. They, uh, they can't even really decide how to go about choosing the music they sing in worship. Um, it's like they've forgotten their mission, that which holds them you know, together. Um, <clears throat> our country is uh, divided, I think partly really because there's been so much change that's taken place culturally uh, in the last 20 years. Um, I, I did see, I mean, there were cultural changes in, from, the, from World War II to uh, the 50s. And there were even more changes from the 50s to the 60s. If you remember how music and culture changed, the assassination of Kennedy, the attempts on other major leaders, the Vietnam War. Um, but, but the changes then were, were, were small compared to the changes that have taken place uh, even in the last 15 years. And that pulls at the fabric of our country. It's almost like we're not sure what it means to be an American anymore. What are our common values? Um, but on a more personal level, if your kids were to ask you, Mom, Dad, what, what is it that holds your life together? What is, what is that central thing that is keeps you stable, what would you say? Second question has to do with protection. There's a lot of scary stuff out there today. What is it that guards your life? Um, do you have a home security system? Do you own a gun? Do you have a concealed carry permit? Uh, do you know anything about martial arts training? Some of us look a little old for that. With martial arts, you got a kick above your shoulder, and that would put some of us in the hospital, I think. Um, what is it that makes you feel most secure? That's the question. Do you have a good insurance plan? What about your retirement? Is there the money in it that you thought you'd have or that you need? Are, are you comfortable with your credit score, your debt-to-income ratio, because, because most Americans aren't. What is it on a more personal level that guards your life? What do you fall back on or depend on to protect you from all the, all the kinds of bad stuff uh, that comes down the pike? The third question, uh, what about direction? Where do you get your direction from? Because you know, all of, most of you, most of you have lived long enough to know that life has a lot of turns, and sometimes the road divides, and sometimes the choices that we have to make or the roads that we have to choose are very consequential 
and they're not always clear, and we've all lived with uh, lots of regret because we took the wrong road or we made the wrong choice. What do you depend on to get your guidance? Uh, in one of his songs, Willie Nelson says he gets his guidance from his gut. He wrote, uh, every time I follow what I'm feeling, I end up in the same place that my heart would have me go. If there's one rule of life I trust, it's everything outside your gut ain't necessarily so. I don't know about that. Robert uh, Fulgham wrote that everything you need to know, you learn in kindergarten. Share and play fair and don't hit people. Clean up your own mess. Don't take what's not yours. Say you're sorry. Take a nap every afternoon. And when you go out in the world, hold hands and stick together. What... What are you looking for? How do you figure out? What is it that guides you? <clears throat> uh, here in chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the great shepherd. It's a, it's a telling image, and there's more to it than what is on uh, the service. Um, certainly, a shepherd is an image that was woven deeply into the fabric of Hebrew life. Uh, the main part of the Holy Land is rocky, and some of you who recently came back from the Holy Land said, you're right, there's a lot of rocks out there, and it's not the best for farming, but it is pretty good for grazing, and so Israel tended to produce more shepherds than they did uh, farmers, <clears throat> and um, uh, sheep wander while they graze, so a shepherd had to always be on guard. There were predators that would eat them. They were down on the food uh, chain, and there were predators who would steal them if they got a chance. So a shepherd was always on duty. He had to have vigilance. He had to have a measure of courage, and he had to have patience. And so you can see why the biblical writers would use the image of a shepherd to convey God's love and God's concern for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Uh, we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Isaiah said, God will feed his flock like a shepherd and gather his uh, lambs into his own arms and carry them. The shepherd had a staff. Uh, that was his little weapon. It wasn't a long instrument. It often had some nails in the end of it. And he used it for protection and to ward off animals. That long instrument was called a rod with a crook on the end, and that's how he would maneuver the, the sheep or pull one out from where he didn't want them to be. The other interesting thing about the sheep and the shepherds is that the, the, shepherd, the sheep in Palestine were used mostly for wool, uh, not for meat. And so 
they pretty much stayed with the shepherd for as long as they lived. And when that happens, you get to, they all have different personalities. You get to know each of the sheep. And the sheep are attuned to your name. My wife has three horses, and when she comes around the corner, they pop up. When she says something, they run. When I tell them something, they'll listen to a thing I say. Because they know her voice. It was even such that if there were flocks together, different flocks at night, which sometimes happened, in the morning the shepherd called their voice. The ones that belonged to him went over to him. The ones that belonged to the other shepherd went on to the other shepherd. But more than that, um, this... This is something the Jews would have understood that is harder on the surface for us to appreciate. The word shepherd was used throughout the Old Testament not only to describe those that worked in the field, but as image of the rulers, of the kings. And often the prophets would say, you've been a bad shepherd, you haven't fed the sheep, you haven't cared for the sheep. To those who are supposed to be leading Israel, uh, God said... And, and, and God said through Jeremiah, a day is coming when I'm going to give you a shepherd after my own heart. And he will lead you with knowledge and understanding. And everybody knew he was talking about the Messiah. Um, Isaiah said, hear the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Here is your God, he'll tend his flock uh, like a shepherd who carries them close to his heart. The people knew that was the Messiah and they were looking for him. Ezekiel said, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who take care of themselves. You have not strengthened the weak or brought back the strays or searched for the Lord so for the lost. So I myself will search for my sheep and I'll bring back the strays and I'll bind up the injured and I will shepherd my flock with justice and I will place over them a shepherd like my servant David. And the people were looking for that shepherd. They had been in bondage for hundreds of years to the Assyrians and the Egyptians and the Babylonians and the Medes and the Persians and the Romans and they were looking for that shepherd. So when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, he was using a word picture everybody could identify with and he was telling them I am the one you've been waiting for for so long. I have come to gather my sheep, guard my sheep, and guide my sheep. Look at me. I am the good shepherd. And he invited people into his life. What I'd like to do this morning is for you to hear like they did what Jesus says about 
is gathering your life so that he is the one who stabilizes who you are, come what may. And that he protects your life if you let him. He'll be the one who guards you against all the stuff outside of you and inside of you that hurts you. And that he will guide your life if you let him for all the twists and turns so that you end up where you're supposed to be and so that your life ends up abundant, everlasting, and overflowing. I want you to look first at verse 14, 15, and 16. In verse 16, Jesus says, I've got other sheep. They're not in this pen. And I must bring them also. The Greek word says gather. I must gather them together. Look at verse 14. I know my sheep and I will lay down my life for the sheep. The Jews had been scattered all over the Roman Empire for hundreds of years. And Jesus is saying to them, I am the one who will gather you together. I am the one who wants to be the unifying force in your life. That's what David found. The Lord is my shepherd. There's a lot of things he says in that psalm. He'll guide and lead and sustain but all over all of it is this one statement, I shall not want. It doesn't mean he doesn't have troubles. It doesn't mean he's not going to be discouraged. It means the shepherd, the shepherd, the one who said I am that shepherd is a unifying principle in my life. He's the one who holds me together. Jesus spent three years giving that message and inviting him to let him be the one to bring their lives together. It's so epitomized in the demoniac. Um, do you remember that guy that nobody could handle? They had him in chains and they put him off in a desert somewhere so they didn't have to deal with him. And Jesus found him and he said, My name is Legion! That is to say, I am so divided. I am so pulled apart. I don't know who I am and Jesus became the stability in his life. People couldn't believe it. They looked at him and saw a man they couldn't deal with and Jesus bring stability into a man whose life was falling literally apart. When your kids ask you, what is it that holds your life together? Um, um, 
what is it you have on, on a day-to-day basis that stabilizes and unifies your life? When somebody says to you, how do you keep smiling when you're in so much physical pain? Um, how do you keep going when so-and-so stabbed you in the back? Uh, how do you manage to live uh, with uh, that failed relationship? How do you manage to get along with the problem people in your school or in your work? How do you maintain your sanity uh, in an unsane world? What is it that holds your life together and keeps you going when you feel like throwing in the towel. Um, You need to choose your shepherd wisely because some of them are robbers and thieves and they will let you down. When they asked Paul that question, he said, because... I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. I can keep going because he's the one who holds my life together. He's my shepherd and he restores my soul. He is the unifying gathering principle of my life. And not only that, He's the gathering principle of the church. I have other sheep in other folds and I will gather them together so that there's one shepherd and one sheep. That was was the message I kept trying to drive home to you for as long as I was here. We are one in the bond of the love that the Good Shepherd has put in our hearts. That's why, I mean, how do you explain a Nicodemus and the woman at the well in the same church? They didn't have anything in common. How do you explain Zacchaeus and Peter? Uh, they, they would never be in the same place together. How do you explain Philemon and Onesimus, who was the slave that ran away from him? Can you imagine those two in the same group? How can you picture a highly educated man like the Apostle Paul and the thief on the cross sitting together singing glory to God? How can you explain all the misfits and oddballs and every other kind of character who makes up the church other than the one who gathers his sheep and is there unity and is there stability? I am the good shepherd and I will gather my sheep. That's who he is. Is he that for you? 
Uh, I want you to look at uh, verse 11. Jesus said, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, verse 28 says, I will give them eternal life and they'll never perish and no one, no one can snatch them out of my hand. What Jesus is saying there is, I am your security. If you let me, I will protect your life from everything inside you, everything outside of you, and even through death into eternal life. What do you have, uh, what do you have to fall back on for your own security? Uh, are you like Samson and depending on your own strength? <laughs> because there's a long line of people in that group, right? Right? I mean, the, the, um, the fallacy in that is that we all, if we live long enough, we all get old. Do you remember when your daddy got old? Um, I mean, really, do you remember when whoever it was that was a pillar in your life? Because I had several. My dad was the strongest man I ever knew. And toward the end, he needed help getting out of bed. All I could do is put lotion on his back and help him take a shower. Are you like Samson in that long line of people thinking I'm going to be strong forever and I can do it forever? Because if so, you're just, you're just pretending. And I don't know what you do in the darkness. And I don't know what you do when you're all by yourself. But I know you're not as strong as you make out to be. Um, are you like the rich farmer in Jesus' parable who relied on his money? There's a, it's not as long a line, but it's a line of people who have worked so hard to secure themselves with their financial accumulations. Are you uh, like the Pharisee and depending on how much better you are than somebody else? Do you look at the news and say, I'd never do that or I'd never be like them? Uh, do you forget about your darkest moments? Are you... Um, have you just put out of your head the things you'd never want to be put on that screen for other people to see? The Bible says, in the end, your strength and your money and your influence and your goodness will all uh, let you down. It's not that they're not helpful, but when you're covered with guilt and shame and it's hard to even look yourself in the mirror or when you're all alone and you don't feel like you have a friend in the world or when the walls cave in and the bottom drops out and you're more afraid of something than you've ever been in your life or when the person you loved more than anyone in the world is gone Or you're looking death in the face yourself and no doctor is telling you it's going to be all right. What then? Where does your security come from? What do you have to fall back on when you've been knocked 
flat on your face. Because the day is coming. The hymn writer put it this way, Neighbors are kind and I love them every one. And we get along in sweet accord. He was being overly optimistic at that point. But when my soul needs a manna from above, where can I go but to the Lord? Life here is grand with friends I love so dear and comfort I can get from God's own word. But when I face the chilling hand of death, where can I go but to the Lord? He is your protection. And lastly, I want you to look at um, at verse 3. It says, he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me by still waters. You know uh, the two words that Jesus said over and over again to people? When he had the chance. Basically he was saying let me lead you. What he did say was follow me. Follow me. I am the good shepherd. And I will lead you out. But you need to follow. Follow me. Now if you ask me where is he going to take you. I can't say for sure. Uh, To be truthful, it will likely be not where you want to go, but where he wants you to go. But I can tell you this, if you keep following long enough, gradually where he wants you to go is where you want to be. You remember Moses. I want you to follow me and go back to Egypt and tell, O Pharaoh, let my people go. And, And Moses came up with every excuse in the book, some dumb ones even. But he went. Kicking and screaming, he went. And he kept going and he kept following until gradually where God wanted him to go is where he wanted to be. He said later, um... Uh, if, Lord, if you aren't going with us, then don't even send us out of this place. Where will he take you if you follow? I mean, I expect he'd take you up Abraham's mountain and ask you to give back to him the most precious thing in your life so that he has preeminence over everything else. I expect that he would take you to Daniel's den where you're asked to deny your connection to Jesus or suffer the consequences. He would probably take you to Zacchaeus whom nobody likes and appoint you to help him out of this tree or to the neighbor down the street, or to the boy or girl in your third period class who needs to know that God loves them even though they don't know it, and he'll guide them if given half a chance. 
He'll definitely take you to the cemetery and tell you to bury your fears and bury your pride and bury your hurts and bury your greed and bury your lust and bury your, your lack of self-control under the cross so that his life and his light can grow in you. And he'll lead you up a hill where the shadow of three crosses fall across a place called Calvary where those around the cross are weeping and when you get there you start weeping too because as your burden slips off and you realize how much you're loved and how little you deserve it. The shame and regret put you face to face with a suffering God and in response you just want to do whatever you can and whatever you have to give back in love and service. That's where he'll take you if you follow. Who is he? He is the good shepherd. His name is Jesus. He's the carpenter. From Galilee, the masterful teacher, reconciler, healer. He's the washer of other people's feet. He's the radiance of God's glory. He is the image of the invisible God. So when you see him, you're looking at the best image you'll ever have of what God looks like in your life. He is Lord of Lords. He is King of Kings. He is resurrection and the life. He is the one with the nail scars in his hands that we put there. Which brings me back to the beginning. A long time ago, uh, Jesus said to a woman at Jacob's well, if you drink of the water I have, you'll never thirst again. That woman took Jesus up on his offer and revitalized her life. And the good shepherd became that force that unified and gathered her together from what she'd been seeking through five husbands. What is it that stabilizes your life? He is the good shepherd, but is that something he's become for you or like the demoniac are you being pulled in all kind of directions why it's why you can't really be fruitful or effective uh, a rich young ruler came and asked Jesus what do I need to do for eternal life uh, he'd been depending on everything he knew to protect him and he still felt exposed and empty what is it that you have? Jesus said, just leave it all behind and follow me. And I'll be your good shepherd and I will protect your life from all you fear and all that seeks to hurt you. Um, what are you depending on? What is it that guards your life? Jesus said, I'll lay down my life for my sheep. Do you have anybody, anything in your life that's that committed, that is that overwhelmingly on your side and has the power to do it? If he's not your protection, what's in its place? 
And why do you have such a hard time letting him fill that spot? There's a greedy tax collector that had a life-changing experience when Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come on down from that tree. I have to have dinner with you. And when he left, the great I am, the great shepherd, became the shepherd of his life. And from that time on, Jesus was the one who guided him. Instead of hoarding his money, he started giving it away, making restitution. And his life was never the same again. I want to ask you, what is it today? I, not, not when you walk the aisle and not some time in the distant past, but what guides your life today? And if it isn't the good shepherd, what is keeping you from putting him in that place? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, when Jesus said those unforgettable words, he was announcing to those people then and there and to all the world to hear that he was the one God was going to send to be the Messiah, the Savior, the one in whose life people would find their guidance, their vitality, their protection, their stability. And then he went around, even as your spirit walks around this sanctuary today, asking for us to let him be that in our own lives. May it be so today, oh Holy Spirit, take control in Jesus' name, amen. In a moment we'll sing a hymn of invitation, I'll take my place here. If you're not a Christian, I mean, one way of conceptualizing is with what I had said earlier. Let the one who is the good shepherd become your shepherd. If you are a Christian and you'd like to make this your church home, every Christian needs a body. And Jesus is what, Jesus is what holds us together. And if you want to be part of this expression of Jesus, you come and we'll accept you by transfer of letter or profession of faith. If you're a member here, you're a Christian here, it's been a long time since you found in him your unity, your sense of protection, your sense of guidance. Do whatever you need to do. Maybe you need to come to the altar in a moment of recommitment to remove the barrier. So the good shepherd is your shepherd. Let's stand together as we sing.